Open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Uh, we're in chapter 7 this morning, talking about the third candle, uh, which is the candle of anyone? Joy. Look at your neighbor, say joy. Look at me, say joy. Look up to the heavens, say joy. Look to the other neighbor, say you're not so bad. That's fun, isn't it? You're going to be doing that at lunch. It's all good. Uh, we are in an Advent season. Advent means coming. And we want to take a second, we want to explain what we're doing here, uh, because a lot of us, we're a non-denominational church, have come from a lot of different locations and backgrounds, and I don't know where you kind of came from, maybe this is your first Sunday at church, maybe you've been here for 40 years, and bless your heart if you have, um, but sometimes we look at this season and we don't know what we're doing. We have no idea what we're doing. There's a lot of uh, symbols that are represented with the season. I know we've done this in the past couple of weeks, but this is good for us to revisit, okay? We are in um, an Advent season, and most of the times there's these things called Advent candles, and there's wreaths around these candles, and they are symbolic of some of the things that we need to focus on for the season, because Satan would love for us to be distracted this season and focus solely on ourselves and getting our shopping done and all that other good stuff. As a matter of fact, Satan's biggest ploy is to distract God's people on uh, not focusing on the fact that Jesus came, first of all, but that Jesus is coming again. And when Jesus is coming again, we say that, you say, amen. Okay, we get a little bit excited about that at church. That's something that we get excited about. Except for sometimes we get bored with Christmas music. Any of you guys bored with Christmas music yet? You're like, you're like shut it off. How many of you guys are like, no, keep it going all year long? Holy cow, I'm not in good company this morning. That's okay. <clears throat> okay, so when we look at the Advent season, there's four candles. Depends on where you came from. And when we did a study of this, this is like a summary of everything that I learned kind of from the Advent season. So uh, there's four candles usually, and they're mostly red. Sometimes they're different colors. But there's a candle in the middle that's white, okay? The first uh, two candles we've already talked about. If you missed those sermons, they're all online. You can go check Check out all of our uh, sermons online. They're all archived and you can go back and revisit it. But when we talked about the first candle, we talked about the anticipation of the fact that Jesus is coming and that Jesus, there you go. Yeah. See, you followed this, this section right here. Okay. Uh, that Jesus is coming. Yeah. You get excited. Okay. You're not so bad. Um, and so we look at the fact that Jesus, we anticipate not only that he came, but that he is coming again. And when we talked about this week, we talked about Jesus being a righteous branch. Okay, scripture tells us that he's a righteous branch. We can be in the kingdom lineage. We can be in the kingdom line of Jesus. We get to join his family. He came to us and he kind of got grafted in the family of God. We talked about uh, the two righteous advents is that Jesus came and that Jesus is coming again. Okay, you're getting with it, all right? And then uh, we talked about anticipating that. And so as we talk in this series, we're talking about preparing our hearts for this Christmas and that we get to really rejoice, all right? Second candle that we talked about is a candle of hope because we as Christians have hope, thank God, right? I mean, that's a good thing. We have hope. We place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. We have no other faith or trust. Uh, let me give you just a little bit of uh, maybe a, a, a coming forward, like what we're going to do. Um, after next week, we're going to have our fourth week of Advent um, uh, series. And then Jonathan uh, and I will come and we'll kind of lead that Christmas Eve service. And then I'm out. Um, I'm done. No, no, uh, like some people are like, all right, 
<laughs> there's nothing there. <laughs> They're like, I don't know if they clapped or praised the Lord or whatever you guys were going to do. Um, but I'm going to take a week off. Uh, we've been grinding for a little bit. I'm going to let Jonathan come up and he's going to preach the word from Job and just kind of prep us for the new year. And then I'm coming back. Nothing there either. Okay, that's all right. Um, <laughs> depending on who you are, you're like, yay, nay. Oh, cool. If we buy him Christmas presents, will he stay from back away for a little bit? Um, so uh, we're going to do the State of the Church Address coming up January 5th. And that's where we talk about where we've been and where we're going. And then we're rolling into a series on Romans 8. And I'm really excited about this because it's all about our hope in uh, Jesus Christ as Christians, especially this second candle. And we look at it and we anticipate Jesus came and Jesus coming again. Amen. Okay. And then uh, we have hope in, uh, in Christ and it's one thing that we can only do things through Jesus, okay? Third candle means joy, and that's what we're going to talk about in just a second. Fourth candle usually talks about love and how God seeks our best as a chosen people. And then uh, the candle will light on Christmas Eve service will represent a fulfillment of all the promises that God has given to us, okay? So that's kind of Advent explained a little bit for you. I don't know if you knew about it uh, or you didn't know about it. Now you're kind of uh, up to speed. But this is just a symbol, okay, of what we know in Scripture because the 66 books that are in the Bible are the inherent Word of God, meaning without error, okay, the inerrant Word of God. And we believe that these tell us how to live, all right, and as long as I'm here, uh, we will preach the Bible at Community Gospel Church, okay? Um, so that's just kind of how we roll. If you have a problem with it, well, sorry, that's just how it is. Um, so let's get into this, uh, the third week, Luke chapter 2, and we'll look at verse uh, 7 through 15. Let's start at Luke chapter 2, and we'll go to verse 7. And she gave birth to the firstborn son, she being, anyone? Mary, Okay. Um, now Mary, all right, let's, let's, let's pause for a second. Mary is a woman. That's it. Got it? She's not God. She's not, she's not elevate. Like we don't elevate her to any specific like honor. God chose her. And as a matter of fact, Mary was like, you sure you got the right person? <laughs> she was kind of like not real sure about the fact that she was going to carry the son of God. Okay. Now she was chosen and we appreciate that she went through with it, but there's nothing about her. She was just like us. Okay. She was just like us. She had normal parents. And so Mary's just like us. Get that straight this season. We worship Jesus. Nobody else. Got it? Okay, so she says, and Mary, all right, so what happens is uh, she gives birth to her firstborn son, and she wraps him up in swaddling cloths, and she lays him in a manger because there's no place for him at the inn. All right, so she does what she thinks is best. She wraps up this baby after she had him. She puts him in a manger, and then all of a sudden it keeps going. Uh, so we look at verse 7, uh, excuse me, verse 8, and in the same region, there were shepherds who were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Make a great song. And, uh, and in comes the angel of the Lord and appears to these shepherds and the glory of the Lord shines around them and they were filled with what? I'd be terrified too, wouldn't you? Like, I'd be kind of petrified. Angel of the Lord shows up in my office. I'm not really, I'm, I'm not doing so well, right? Am I in trouble? Like, what did I do? What did I do? You said you were leaving to the congregation. That's, you can't do that. My bad. But the angel of the Lord shows up and they are afraid. They're petrified. They're like, what are we doing here? Well, we need to explain this a little bit. Look at number one as we talk about joy. The joy of the Lord is to fear the Lord. 
I think we miss this sometimes in Christianity. The joy is of the Lord and we're prepping our hearts for this season. What does it mean to have joy? What does it look like to have joy? How are we supposed to be joyful in this, in this season, especially with aunts and uncles and cousins and all that other good stuff? What are we supposed to look like? How are we supposed to act? We are supposed to fear the Lord. The Bible tells us this repeatedly. This isn't just for a season. This is for your whole life. You are to fear the Lord. One of the things we miss in church a lot is the reverence or the awe of God. We miss it. Like he's a big, you know, all-encompassing, powerful God. And we miss that we have to stand in awe of him. Sometimes he's a very petrifying God and we get a little frightened. And God's like, that's okay. Some of you guys that have kids, you kind of like this with your kids to know that you are uh, this all-encompassing adult parent, right? It's good that they're a little bit maybe afraid of you. You guys are like, I'm not sure he really knows how to parent his kids. Well, that's okay. All right. But sometimes it's good for us to, to have kind of that healthy fear with our kids. Let me give you an example. The other night, I walked into my daughter's room. And she has this thing right now where she doesn't like to wear clothes. I'm not really sure why. But once I put her to bed, uh, or Bethany puts her to bed, she, they just start going away. I don't know if she's uncomfortable or what. So I walk in the other night, and I open up her door, and her light's on, and she's got uh, this, these, this, these PJs on, well, halfway on, and I'm looking at her, and she's rubbing Vicks Vapor Rub on her chest. <laughs> when they get older, they're going to watch all these sermons and go, Dad, what are you doing? So, uh... She's, she, and first of all, the Vicks Vapor Rub is all the way down the hall in the other bathroom. So she had to get up out of her bed. She had to walk all the way across the hall, get a, a, a step stool out, climb up on the step stool, pull the Vicks Vapor Rub out, walk all the way back down the hall, get back into her bed. And she's just sitting there. And once I open the door, she goes. I said, what are you doing? Nothing. Petrified. I mean, she's, she's afraid, right? Healthy fear. See how that works? Okay. She instantaneously puts the thing back down on the thing. She's like slowly putting back on her PJs. She's working her way back down. Sometimes when we break into her room, she just boom, back down sleeping. Right. I mean, she's like, and I know she's awake. We do that with God, don't we? Like God's like, what are you doing? You're like, you can't see me. You can't see me. You can't see me right? That's what we do in our relationship with Jesus. And we have to fear the Lord. We have to own up for what we're doing. And we have to say, man, here I am. This is what happens. So the angel comes in and all of a sudden the Lord is present because these are, he, these are his servants. And now all of a sudden we have a situation and they think, man, should I be afraid? Should I have a healthy fear? Are we in trouble? And this is normal because as the shepherds were looking after their flocks, the angel of the Lord appears in the Bible. Whenever the angel appears, there's either a blessing or a curse. Okay. So let me give you some of the good and let me give you some of the bad. The bad is the angel of the Lord put a curse on the old Testament, uh, because they, uh, there was a group of people and judges that refused to come to the Lord. Okay. So God puts a curse on them. Then all of a sudden we see the angel of the Lord puts to death, uh, 185 thousand Assyrian soldiers uh, in Jerusalem in second Kings. I mean, this is a powerful force that these shepherds knew. These shepherds knew they understood their Bibles. They understood the angel of the Lord shows up, people die. And so they're petrified. They're like, are we in trouble? They stop. What, what are you doing here? 
Why, why are you here? But then there's also some good stuff. Let's, let's look at this for a second. The good is the angel of the Lord visits Hagar after fleeing Sarah in the book of Genesis. And he comforts her. And then we see that the angel of the Lord commissions Joshua and Moses to undertake the Lord's battles. So they're there. The angel of the Lord's like, hey, you guys can do it. Good, good job. Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you to be strong and... I am with you. I'm going to fight for you. See, we don't know when the angel of the Lord shows up whether we should be petrified or whether we should, you know, be kind of ready and prepared because oftentimes we start thinking, what did I do? Did I do enough good or did I do something bad? And you know what? When Jesus died on the cross for your sins, all the good or the bad that you did is eliminated. It's wiped out. He says, all the sins that you're about to commit, I'm going to move those away. And so the angel of the Lord shows up and the shepherds look at it and they go, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? And what we see is this is a good thing. (coughs) Before Jesus, there's no mention of the angel of the Lord as Christ the Messiah himself who speaks for us. Let me see if I can clarify that. The shepherds had no idea whether to be terrified or filled with joy until the angel of the Lord spoke. Until he speaks. He's there, he's present, they pause. And let me tell you something, this is how it works in our life. God shows up, he's there. And all of a sudden we don't know how to act until he speaks. My daughter laying in her bed. She doesn't know, am I in trouble? Am I not in trouble? Until I speak. And so all of a sudden we're, we sit here and we look at this and the angel of the Lord is about to speak. And let me tell you something. God is about to speak into your life. God is about to tell you something. God wants to move in your heart and your life. But we have to have ears that are going to be opened. We have to have hearts that are going to be softened. And we have to live in ways that are honoring in order for God to speak and for us to hear him clearly. Because this is where we get off as Christians. Because we oftentimes speak for the Lord and let, instead of letting the Lord speak for us. And so here we are. And the same is true for us as the angel of the Lord is about to speak to these people. Let me give you some application for this. Do we, the question I had when I was studying this, do I fear God's voice or do I welcome God's voice? I mean, even as somebody who studies scripture, do I fear God's voice or do I welcome God's voice? Should I be afraid when he calls me or should I be ready to go? Should I be equipped? I mean, how do we answer phone? A lot of you guys have cell phones, right? Remember when somebody calls, what do you, what do you normally do? Nine times out of 10, what do you normally do? Ignore, absolutely. I, I mean, it could be my dad, it could be my mom, it could be my wife, confession time, ignore it, right? They'll leave a message, right? God doesn't want you to, God doesn't want to leave a message, especially this season. He's not really, he's not really, he's like, Hey, pick up the phone. I want to talk to you about something. I want to help you with something. I want to move you through something. So oftentimes we say, well, should I be petrified or should I be prepared? And so it can be terrifying thing when he calls, but let me tell you something. If you don't, and I'm going to break this down for you very, very simply. If you don't call yourself a Christian, one who has confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you never made that confession in your life. You should be petrified when God calls. 
You should be absolutely scared to death when God calls because you're a sinner, you're busted in the action of all of your sins and your heart is hardened so much that you have a refusal to repent of your sin. You should be absolutely scared to death when God calls because oftentimes our pride, our arrogance, everything about us gets so much in the way of our relationship with God that our hearts get so hardened to it. If you go back and you study the Old Testament where you see that Moses is talking to the Pharaoh and he's like, let my people go. It says God hardened his what? All of a sudden the Pharaoh, his heart is so hard because he's so full of himself that he can't and he can't say, I want to do something that's great. And watch what happens to the Pharaoh because we miss this in the story. We see all the stuff that happens to the people, but we miss what happens to the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh loses his son. The Pharaoh loses his armies. The Pharaoh loses essentially in the end of the story, his life because he didn't repent and come back to God. He was not filled with joy because his heart was so hardened. And some of us in this Christmas season are so hardened because we refuse to be filled with joy because we refuse to accept the gift that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And you can see it in your family members, can't you? That's, that's Frank right there. He, that's what he does. Man, if that guy would just confess with his mouth, believe in his heart, that Jesus Christ the Lord, he'd be on the start to really knowing what true joy is. So when God calls... If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, be petrified. Unless when he shows up, you don't know him. You do confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord. Then the flip side of the whole thing is for us to know Jesus Christ is when God calls, we should be so filled with joy that we're quick to answer the phone. Now here's the crazy thing. Some of the times I walk into my daughter's room, she has her light on. That's kind of how we know she's up. And I'll open up the door and she'll go, Daddy! Like last night, for example, I got back a little late. We had 25 guys singing at uh, Miller's Mary Manor in Wakarusa. It was a fun night. None of us can sing. We kind of proved it. Uh, and uh, those people there were so open and receptive to it. They're like, you guys did so good. We're like, no, not really. Um, but we just, we just went on with it or whatever. So I got home and Bethany says to me, she's standing at the top of the stairs. She says, hey, your daughter wants you. I said, you're right, she does. And so I walk up the stairs and I said, and here's the thing. I put everything down. I had a couple of things that I wanted to do. I put everything down, put my keys down. I run upstairs and, the, and she's, she's laying in bed and she's kind of half sitting up. She's like, daddy, daddy, you're home. I missed you so much. And I just want to record it because she's going to turn 16 and she's not going to say that stuff anymore. And so I, 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 I jump, I literally jump on her bed and uh, she bounces a little bit and I, and I lay down next to her and she's got this thing that she does and she grabs my face and she goes, I, I love you, daddy. I missed you so much. It warms my heart, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's gold. That's like the best Christmas present ever. And she says, she says I, I love you. You were gone for so long. And so I look at her and I, I said, yeah, but I'm here now. So here's her next, uh, next word. Will you sleep in my bed tonight? I said, your mom will kill me if I sleep in your bed tonight. 
But that's what God does. See, what happens is when God calls us as Christians, we have no reason to be afraid of him. He runs up the stairs to us. He seeks you out in your darkest places. He comes and finds you. I don't know all the stuff that you've been through this year. I don't know all the problems that you've faced and experienced, but God's sitting right there and he's like, hey, I'm right here. I found you. Here I am. Come out of the darkness and come into the light because I want to restore you. I want to have a good relationship with you. I want to have a good Christmas this year. I know you're alone. I know you're scared. I know you're nervous. I know you don't want to go to this place. I know you don't have all your holiday shopping done. I understand that. But what matters in this world is your relationship with me. That's it. Because every other relationship flows out of your relationship with Jesus. And so why do we hang up the phone on him when he calls us? Why do we shut the door on him when he comes to greet us? Because here comes the angel of the Lord. The presence of God is with the angel of the Lord. They show up. These shepherds have nothing to be afraid of. They should welcome his presence. But they're so scared because he's about to speak. They're like, we don't know if we're going to get knocked out. We don't know what's going to happen to us. We should welcome God's phone call because we know when we know him personally, he's got some good news for us. He's got some great news for us. So watch this. As we keep going, there's no reason to be scared of God because the fear of God means we respect God and we obey him and we submit to his discipline and we welcome that in our lives and we worship him because of it. We get excited. The Lord's like, hey, you, you kind of messed up over here. That's okay because I'm, I'm going to help you out a little bit. It might hurt a little bit, but that's okay. And so watch, the fear of the Lord leads, as soon as God speaks to us, it leads to number two, the salvation of the Lord, which is really where our joy starts coming from. You ever met a Christian who's unhappy? You ever been there? I meet a lot of pastors. I know a lot of pastors being in the ministry. A lot of pastors are unhappy people. I kind of understand it a little bit, um, but I think that's because we've lost uh, the art of humor. I think we lost what it means to be funny, right? Because we think too much. You ever think too much? Let me tell you what happened the other day. Uh, I got a buddy of mine. We go out to lunch. And uh, we're going out to lunch. And, you know, he's just, he's a good guy. And so we're going out to lunch and we have to run an errand after lunch. I said, hey, can we go over here? Well, he knows a lot about the, the object that we're about to go get. And so we walk into the store and he's in front of me. And this guy over at the counter says, can I help you? My initial thought is, no, I'm that guy. You that guy? How many of you guys are that guy? Where you go find and dig around the store and you go find it yourself because you too, you, I am not going to ask somebody for help. How many of you guys would be like, I ask for help all the time. I don't do it. I just, it's not in my blood. So I walk in there and, uh, and he says, can I help you? And sure enough, two seconds. Yeah, absolutely. I need, oh my goodness, what are you doing? For real? I said, you got to be kidding me. This guy's going to follow us around the store. He's going to be all over the place. Sure enough, he walks. He goes all around the store. He follows us. We're standing there. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And then I start thinking, Jordan, you should be more like this guy. You should ask for help a lot more. That that guy probably needs Jesus. You should probably talk to that guy about Jesus. He's probably standing next to you right now because you need to talk about Jesus. And then I start getting depressed because I'm thinking about it too much. And so I start thinking about all these things. And what happens is as Christians, we start thinking about so many things that we forget to do what God tells us to do because we're too busy in process up here. And so all of a sudden, these guys are thinking as they're standing here, okay? In the Bible, they're thinking too much. They're processing what does God want? What does God, what, what does God want? What does he desire? Watch what it says. Go to uh, verse chapter 10. 
uh, verse chapter 10. I don't know what that means. Go to verse 10. The angel said to them, fear not for behold. He speaks. He speaks. Fear not for behold. I bring you what? Good. When God calls, he brings you good news. You live after the resurrection of the Messiah. He's going to bring you good news. He may have some consequences for you because of your trespasses, but he brings you good news. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All people. Now, the crazy thing is we would look at that and they say all people would be all people. But what he's really saying is this is good news for all people who would accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah because they will be filled with joy. Because their salvation, they are complete. So watch this. He keeps going. He says, uh, so the angel Lord said, for all people, 11, for unto you this day is born in the city of David, a savior who they would call Christ. There's the first advent. He's born. There's the first coming of Jesus. He's born. There's the first offering of God to his people. There's the first opportunity. God says, here you go. I'm going to put it all on the line. It's all up to you from here on out. You got to believe that this guy is my son. So he says the salvation of the Lord. So all of a sudden he comforts these people and instantly the shepherds are told, don't be afraid because this is joy. Well, what is joy? Follow me here. Joy is an outward intense expression of something that is happening internally. So I would say Christians who don't have that intense joy externally, that means nothing's happening in here internally. In other words, what happens is when we spend time with God alone, it kind of spills over out into our everyday life. And once it starts to spill over, we just can't kind of help it. Last week I talked about the wiggles. It's kind of what it is again. This is the joy that you're going to have. You just can't contain it. You can't, you can't stop thinking about it. You, you don't even have time to process it. You're standing in the store and God's kind of like, you should tell that guy about Jesus. Do you know about Jesus? You just can't, you can't help it. It just kind of comes out. You're like, I'm sorry, that was kind of awkward. He's like, no, that's cool. I really don't. Well, who's Jesus? Oh, man. Right? That's so when we get excited about it. Let me tell you what's going on here. So all of a sudden we kind of spill out and we spill over. God, I want to talk to this person. I want to communicate with this person. I need to communicate what's happening because you have saved me. You have completed me. See, what's happening here is with the shepherds, they understand that their joy is now about to escalate to a whole new level. And it's seen in the life of individuals as well as, church, don't miss this, the corporate assembly. What do people see us like? Last night we were sitting out at Wings, all these 25 guys, they broke us up into tables. I wish they wouldn't have. There's like 10 over here and 10 over here and like four of us over here were the reject table. I had to sit at that table. Jonathan had to sit at that table. We're like, really? We have to sit together? We, we, we work together. This is, this is not cool. But anyway, never mind. Uh, so we're sitting there and I start thinking about it because the restaurant was full. I wonder if these people are looking at our tables going, that's the table that has the most joy in the restaurant. You're doggone right it is. I wonder if people, when you guys go out to lunch, they see you laughing. Like, I'm not talking like, huh, huh. I'm talking like belly laughing because you have so much joy that Christ has given you, that people want to come over to your table and be like, hey, can I just sit down here for a minute? Yeah, you can, but you better be prepared to laugh a little bit. 
See, what I'm saying is so oftentimes we get in kind of these Christian funks. And we miss the joy. We miss that God wants us to laugh. He wants us to cherish the life that he's given to us. He says, I offer you life and life to the fullest. How do people see community gospel church in the community? Are we living life to the fullest? How do people see you in your community, in your job, in your marriage? Do you look at it and you go, man, I'm living life to the fullest. Bethany and I, we laugh all the time together. I mean, we, we just, we, we'll be sitting alone. We take a date night and we're just laughing and carrying on and, and doing kind of our thing. And we kind of forget that everybody else exists. That's what Jesus wants from us. He says, I want you to enjoy this life because I have completed you with the salvation that I've given to you. All of a sudden, these shepherds, look at this. Joy comes to them and they accept it because they delight in it. Psalm chapter 16, Philippians 4, Romans 15 tells us that we delight in the Lord. Joy is a characteristic of the Christian life and and in eternity, the kingdom of heaven. We get to heaven, it's kind of like a celebration. Remember last week we talked about how the angels kind of rejoice. That's exactly what is gonna happen. You gotta get used to celebrating in the sanctuary because it's preparation for what's gonna happen for eternity. Some of you guys look at it and go, man, I don't really know if I wanna go to heaven because I'm not really sure I wanna sing for the rest of my life because you're not preparing yourself to sing here. The funny thing is, I'm I'm going to kind of hit you a little bit. The funny thing is, you can get passionate about things that you shouldn't be passionate about. Like you can be passionate about a computer screen at midnight. You can be passionate about a sports team. You can be passionate about some of those things. I'm not saying those, those allegiances, unless they're sinful, are necessarily wrong. What I'm saying is, I watch you get passionate all week. And then all of a sudden we get in the sanctuary. You're like, I'm really kind of not that guy. You know that David danced bucket naked in front of God and everybody looked at him and he says, you're crazy. And some of us look at him and we go, I'm, I'm kind of offended that you just said that in church. He's in preparation for what he's going to be experiencing in church. He says, I can't, I cannot be excited. I cannot be joyful. We're so nervous about what other people will say about us. I heard Rick Warren say this the other day. I grow to respect Rick Warren more and more because he hangs out with a lot of sinners. And Rick Warren looks at the guy who's interviewing and he says, you know what? I'm more concerned about the approval of God than the opinion of mankind. Say what? Man, am I like that? Am I like that in the sanctuary? Am I like that in my servanthood? Am I like that? I mean, are we like that? Are we so like on fire for Jesus Christ because of the salvation he's given to us that we, we really don't have time for people's opinions. We're more concerned about God's approval. Are we like that? I watch my little kids and they dance. Bethany and I turn on like worship music and they, they just start grooving. Uh, Gianna was over here before the choir sang and she had a, a little remote control that she put up to her uh, face like it was a cell phone. They do weird things like that. And she just starts dancing like this. You know, she's getting a little excited because the choir's singing. And I'm going, you go, girl, you go. You go, right? I'm like, what if I dance a little bit, you know? Because she's looking at her dad and she's like, do you like to dance, dad? You better believe it, kiddo. 
Look at Isaiah associates joy in the Old Testament with the fulfillments of God's salvation in Christ. Paul uses the term joy three ways. He says, first of all, joy is coming to know and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Second of all, he says, it's the outcome of suffering for Jesus' sake. He says, you are joyful because you experience hardships in your life. Wrap your mind around that one. He says, and also you should be joyful because you've been given the free gift of the Holy Spirit. Joy is a byproduct of our obedience for Jesus Christ. Ain't nothing gonna get me down. All right? It's a byproduct of us being obedient. Hardships come, troubles come, people come. Because honestly, people are hard, right? And all of a sudden, they wanna steal our joy. You ever hugged a vampire? Somebody just sucks the living daylights out of you? And you're just like, it's okay. It's no big thing because God's given me joy. It's a mindset of our obedience with Jesus Christ. The shepherds experience the joy of the Lord because of their obedience. Once God speaks, they're like, we don't gotta be afraid. We gotta be excited. And all of a sudden they, they realize that every believer is going to call upon this Jesus and they're gonna share in the joy of Jesus Christ. And so every believer is gonna rejoice over the fact that the shepherds received this message. And on uh, Christmas morning, we're gonna rejoice because Jesus has come. And all of a sudden we're gonna get excited about this. The joy of Jesus is for all people who believe because for unto us is born a savior. Savior. So we rejoice in the fact that we know Jesus Christ and we walk daily in rejoicing with that joy that he has come and that he will come again. You missed it. That he will come and he will come again. Amen. See, we get excited about it. We just get passive with it, all right? Now watch this. This is the last thing and and, uh, we'll close with this. The joy of the Lord, number three, okay? So all of a sudden, we fear the Lord and we have a healthy respect for him. It pours into our salvation of the Lord because we know we've been rescued, we've been redeemed. And so all of a sudden, God speaks to us. He comforts us. You're gonna be joyful. You're gonna be excited about this. And then all of a sudden, we look at number three, which is now we have an opportunity and on our behalf for another person. Our joy is another person's opportunity. Our joy is another person's opportunity. So watch this. The angel of the Lord is not alone. Go to verse 12 in Luke chapter two. Look at this. He says, and this will be a sign for you. So he says, here you go. You're gonna go and you're gonna, you're gonna find and This will be a sign for you. Well, you are there. You'll see a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes because Mary did that. He's lying in a manger and suddenly there was an angel of a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God saying glory to God in the highest. So all of a sudden, like the angels get excited, right? They're like, oh, this is going to be good. This is getting good. This is awesome. Okay. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, watch this. this is, can you imagine this? Like all of a sudden you see this whole big fiasco going on and all of a sudden the shepherds look at each other and they're like, whoa, let us go to Bethlehem. No, duh. Right? It's essentially what they look at each other and say, they, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Let us go see what has happened. People are going to hear stories about your life and they're going to come and they want to see if it's happening. People are going to come to Community Gospel Church and they want to see if what is happening is really true. 
Because we're getting a name for ourselves. I don't know if you knew this. I did a service on Thursday night at Mishler Funeral Home. They invite everybody who's had a funeral for their loved ones. Uh, and they bring them in. They give them like an ornament. Man, they do a phenomenal job. I didn't know one person in the congregation. But let me tell you something. I stood there and I shook some people's hands afterwards. And they did this. Hey, we used to go to community gospel a while ago. I get that a lot. Like a lot. Hey, we used to go to community gospel a while ago. Jack's funeral, I watched all these people. Hey, we used to go to community gospel a while ago. Now here's the kicker. Some people are contemplating a return to community gospel because they have heard what's going on in our church. And they're saying, let's go see what's happening in this place. Surely the Lord is at work in that congregation because they are joyful. Surely God is among their midst because they are leading and they're equipping and people are getting saved and baptized. Surely the Lord is in that place. There's something going on there. It's getting kind of, it's getting weird. We got to go check it out because the Lord has made this known to us. We have to go see it. When God makes something known to us, we don't have a choice. We have to go see if it's true. We have to seek it out and see if it's true. So all of a sudden these shepherds, watch this, they get excited and they see that Christ's birth is proclaimed. And Luke makes it a point to show us that this Messiah is for all mankind if they choose to believe. Look at all the testimonies that are true about Jesus' coming. John 1, the Lamb of God comes to take the sin of the world away. John 3, 16, whoever believed would not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, John 4, the one is indeed the Savior of the world. 1 Timothy, we fixed our eyes on the hope of this living God who is the Savior of all men, especially for believers. 1 John 2, he's the propitiation, a proper sacrifice for your sins, for our sins, not just for us, but for those who would believe the whole world. 1 John 4, and we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Those are testimonies about Jesus who has come and who is coming again. Our job in the Advent season is to have so much joy that it starts to bubble over to us that we present an opportunity for another. So here's how this kind of meets the road, Community Gospel Church. Next week and Christmas Eve, you invite that one person to church. And you make it easy for them to get here. Remember last week we talked about preparing the way. We are in anticipation to celebrate the seasons with others. It's not something that we just kind of turn inward and say, you know, I don't want to celebrate with anybody else. Our joy is the opportunity for somebody else. Our hope is the opportunity for somebody else. Our anticipation for the king who is coming is coming again is the opportunity for somebody else. And we make it easy for them. Hey man, let me arrange this whole thing for you. Eight o'clock in the morning, I'm gonna come to your house and we're gonna eat breakfast. Actually, as a matter of fact, you're gonna come to my house and eat breakfast. Bring the kids, don't worry about it. Wake them up, all right? Then all of a sudden, we're gonna get ready for church and we're gonna go to church together. And you can wear your jeans, that's okay. You can wear your t-shirt. Whatever you wanna wear is fine with me. I don't care because you're coming to church with me. And then all of a sudden, when we get to church, you're gonna meet some people who you're gonna really like because they're my family and I love them even though they're kind of quirky. And you're gonna introduce them to four or five people when you come to church. You say, this is, this is Jordan or whoever, okay? And then all of a sudden you're going to sit next to him and you're going to love them and you're going to cherish them. You can say, hey, don't you just love it here? This is a nice place. Aren't you really, are you, are you having a good time? 
Yes, you are. You're having a great time, aren't you? Right? And then you're going to say, hey, after this, we're going to go to lunch and we're going to eat lunch together. And then I'm going to drop you off at your house. And then I'm going to text you this week. And I'm going to say, hey, don't forget, we're going to Christmas Eve service. You see what I'm saying? Why? Because we're so excited about it. It's our opportunity for another. You see, this whole thing, this whole preparation for eternity is not just about us. It's about other people. Why? First commandment, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second commandment is like it. Love your, who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor that you've neglected to enter into the family of God? Who is it? Who is it? God's peace is not given to those who have goodwill, but to those who are recipients of God's favor. We have to choose community gospel to walk in the Lord and have our opportunity to enter into a relationship with Christ as an opportunity to share with somebody else. It's always been open. Even in the New Testament, it was always open. You want to come and see what the Lord has done? You want to come? I guarantee you, I can't prove this biblically, but I guarantee you, once those shepherds came and visited Jesus, it was like open season. Because I bet you there was a ton of people who caught wind to the fact that this Jesus had been born and they had to go see if it was true or not. They had to go experience. Is this really true? Is this really, does this really take place? And let me tell you something as an application point, people are questioning your life, but they can't question your life unless you give them the opportunity to question your life. Hey man, do you want to know why I do this? Do you want to know why? Do you know where I go on Sunday morning? Do you know what I do uh, before I get to work? Do you know what I do after I get off work? Do you understand these things? You see what I'm saying? We have to explain to people and give them the opportunity to question what we do. The message of Jesus wasn't meant to be kept quiet. It was meant to be proclaimed at the top of the hill. Christians are to rejoice and show the world that their joy is so far above all other people's and that those people can experience if they would understand that they have a choice on how to live. See, because there's a lot of people who are like my daughter who was laying in her bed with Vicks, right? And when you kick open that door, they want to hear you speak words of encouragement. When you kick open that door in their life and you expose them for what they really truly are because the cross of Jesus Christ is offensive, when you expose them for what they're all about, you have an opportunity to either comfort or convict. And let me tell you something, the world is already convicted, but they need a savior who will comfort. So let's help people. Let's prepare people's way. Let's be community gospel church, a church that is focused on the community that is centered on the gospel, which is the message of Jesus Christ in the Bible. That is what we're all about. That's what we'll continue to be all about. 
That's why we exist. That's why we're here until the Lord calls us home. I want to go home to Jesus Christ and say, hey, my church was so full of joy. These people knew how to have a party. They knew how to get excited. They knew how to stand up on their feet. They knew how to worship and celebrate. We sang some crazy songs. We did some crazy things, but we were never scared to do something for your name because we knew that people in our communities needed to hear your message and receive it and be filled with the same joy that we were filled with. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, would you fill our church? Would you let us be excited? Would you let us just really uh, take just a moment to really know that you have given us joy and you made our joy complete. That you filled us. That you set us apart for a specific reason. God, a lot of us live in fear of you because we're on like this works-based system. And we think, surely if we do one thing, then we get another thing. Or if we don't do one thing, then we don't get this thing. And that's not how it works. You specifically told us for this generation that you will complete us You'll restore us. You'll make us new. You'll, you'll enter in. You'll, you'll give us a new name. You'll give us a new nature. And, and you'll help us and you'll be there for us. And even as we stumble along the way, there's no condemnation, as Romans 8 says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for us, God, because you say, I want you to just specifically be focused on bringing glory and honor to you by preparing the way for others and letting them see the joy that we have received. So God, if there's people in this place that don't have joy or they're saddened or they're, or they're frustrated or they've had hardships this week, would you do something for me, God? Would you just fill their heart with your love and with your joy? And would you, would you just reveal yourself to them so they could really see what you're all about? Would you just enter into their hearts? Would you just, right now, God, just run up their spines. Just, just, just put your hands on their shoulders and just tell them how much that you really, truly love them and you really, truly care about them. God, there's people in our congregation, they've had a hard week. They've had a hard life. They've had hard marriages. They've had hard friendships and they need you. God, we need you so much. So would you fill them? Would you do it, God? Would you, I'm begging you, would you please just reveal yourself to this congregation right now and let us shine so bright that the world can see us. Even as the snow is on the ground, that the light from this church at the, at the very top of the steeple would somehow just reflect off that snow into all the communities and people would want to come and see what's going on because we've been filled with you. Would you do that, God? Would you make yourself known to us so much that there's not one doubt in our whole entire mind that you exist, you're real, you've given us faith, and you've allowed us to believe that you're the Messiah, you came, you died and you lived again, you rose and you're ruling and you're reigning. God, restore your people and to the glorious salvation that you've, that you've so freely offered to us. It was at no cost. It was all because of your grace. 
God, let us be a lighthouse in the next week to the people who need it the most. Let us be your hands and your feet. Let us be your voice and your ears. Let us be your heart and have your compassion. Man, because we love you so much because you first loved us.